you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. I call a Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today is a fellow podcaster and fan of all Warner Brothers, Chris Booker-Taylor. Chris, how are you? I'm great. I'm doing awesome over here. Um, Yeah, it's been great. We've had a lot of really great things coming down the pipeline uh, for Warner, and it's been really awesome, I feel like last couple weeks yeah they just keep releasing new stuff new news new shorts new stuff to talk about and they're keeping us sane during this crazy time yes so you're over there at at and wb podcast you want to let our listeners know where to find that and what the show's about yeah sure uh you can find me um i have uh my you can only find my podcast on cds i put them in random best buys throughout the country uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, you can't even go into a Best Buy right now, I don't think. Um, no, you can't. But It's really frustrating. Yeah. You can find it on fulldino.com or fulldinosaur.com. Um, I always find it ironic. Like, you don't have to write out the full word dinosaur. You can just do full dino. Um, or you can find it uh, wherever you get your podcasts, I believe. Although someone asked me the other day, they're like, oh, I can obviously listen to it on Spotify, right? And I was like, oh, no, I don't think you can, actually. I think you have to, like, I think I have to, like, manually put it on Spotify. So it's not on there. But it's on, um, what are the podcast? Like, uh, Stitcher, it's there. Um, Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes. Yeah. 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 iTunes. Um, I'm sure. And maybe one day Spotify. Yes, maybe one day Spotify. Uh, (laughs) Napster. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) LimeWire. (laughs) Yes. Uh, there was one I used to use called um, Soul Seek, which you were able to like go into people's folders and actually like pull out music. And sometimes they would have it just linked to their like, you know, C drive. So you'd be able to go through all of their stuff. It was very creepy, actually, in retrospect. That, yeah, that sounds legit. Yeah, but I found every <laughs> like album, like every hard to find album that you'd like never be able to find nowadays. I was able to find back then. It was great. Oh, the ways of the West of classic internet. Yeah, and it's all gone now. Um, it's all just that hard drive crashed. It's all disappeared. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for that. Hopefully, uh, listeners can find you and listen to that show. Um, I know you have some pretty cool content coming up, yeah, and I, guess I, can, I think they'll appreciate it. Oh yeah, I could, I could be a little more specific about it too. I've been a water fan ever since the first movie I saw in theaters, which I guess I was what was that three years old. It was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And there's just that moment when Bugs and Mickey like fall through the sky together. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know this at the time, but I've since found out that, you know, they share equal screen time in that movie. Like legally, Bugs and Mickey have to share equal screen time, which which I find fascinating nowadays. And so ever since then, I've thought of like Warner and Disney as these like parallel synergistic entities. And to the mm. to the degree where even in the '90s, I felt like we had like that second generation of Looney Tunes with Tiny Tunes, Animaniacs, Freakazoid, even like Hysteria, 
And like we had Batman and Superman crossing over well before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we had all those like we had Six Flags with the Looney Tunes. Like I feel like like Warner Brothers was Disney before Disney was Disney, if that makes any sense. So that's what I try to pull out in my podcast. And uh, Well, during that time Disney was in the Renaissance era, so they were, were producing like Aladdin and Lion King. That, and that's very true. Even up to Milan. Amazing Milan. products. Yeah. Yeah. They had some really yeah. beautiful uh, films at that time. And they, they, I mean, they, they tried with uh, Mickey's kitchen, I believe like they had their own restaurant for a little bit. Um, uh, but you know, hmm. like we had the Warner brothers studio store, like kind of competing with the Disney store at the time. And, uh, right. Yeah. And, like the Harry Potter movies and the Lord of the Rings films were kind of like the, like, okay, this is how you make a Marvel movie. And this is how you make like, um, uh, what are the, like, even like the matrix, like this is, this is how you make these big blockbusters. I kind of feel like Warner brothers in a way figured it out a little before, um, Disney did again, the Disney uh, animation stuff that's true, but they are also making like, um, uh jungle to jungle i'm trying to think uh, like the, those, those tim allen <laughs> disney movies back then disney's the kid uh which i think right i think flubber they, and all yeah those. yeah and i love those movies i love jungle to jungle uh i i haven't seen it in forever and i feel like the little kid in it uh, reminds me of the girl uh who plays uh is it 11 yeah from stranger things like, oh yeah. yeah they look I can very that. similar anyway that's not what this podcast millie bobby is brown that's it she looks just like and yeah. we'll never remember the kid's name from jungle to jungle who's like probably uh at like 37 now <laughs> but uh yeah no they had a similar trajectory and ironically one of the executives and who was the chief at warner brothers during the time of the matrix and uh, greenlit a bunch of those movies you mentioned. He is currently over at Disney now, so um, that's Alan Horn, and he's one of my inspirations. And he, exactly, you know, yeah. was the he was the guy behind the the curtain, if you will. Um, and now he's handling everything over at Disney with Marvel and uh, all the live action stuff over there. So yeah, overall, I think... really fun trajectory for him. Yeah, and, and he's uh, doing for... a he's doing a bang up job, I think, at Disney. With the, it's a delicate balance, all those properties, and I think they're doing a pretty good job yeah. at it. Yeah, uh, Kevin Feige and the team over there for sure. Yeah, but uh, we're here to talk Warner Brothers. That's it. And we got to transition into <laughs> uh, some of those titles. One of those being the newly announced Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Yeah. which friend of the show and who's been on the show, Mark Hughes has been talking about for a really long time that actually exists and he's, you know, been advocating for it. But uh, there there's been a lot of fan reverence for seeing this product. Uh, so what do you think about it finally coming to HBO max? I think, I mean, I think this is a great move for HBO max. Um, I think that I mean obviously currently right now we're we have there's the global pandemic. Uh, if you're listening to this far in the future, there's a pandemic happening right now, um, <laughs> and so I don't I like I feel like HBO isn't able to you know shoot anything new. So I mean I, I think this is great news for Snyder, for fans of Snyder's work. Uh, personally, I really enjoyed his Watchmen and Three Hundred, um, mm. and and even like I, 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 there's some really beautiful elements to man of steel as well um i like like especially like the whole father uh thing in that film i think it's like amazing um 
and very important to like his character arc. And I just think that stuff works so well in that movie. Uh, I just wonder if COVID-19 wasn't happening, if we'd still be getting the Snyder cut uh, for HBO Max. Cause like they're going to shoot the friends one hour reunion special, but that, you know, they can't now. Um, right. Uh, Warner is bringing Swamp Thing to the CW cause they can't film any new like Riverdale or Flash or, um, I mean, Batwoman, there's news about that, too, where Ruby Rose just left Batwoman. So uh, that they should be fine. They'll, they'll cast someone else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just seems that um, everyone's pulling for content. I think this is a perfect place to pull. It seems like, too, that he went to them and he was like, look, I have this. I just need a little bit more to finish this. And then we're good to go. So I think that's why the date's so far out, too. I think it's May 2021. That's correct. It's next year, but I do remember in July or August of 2019, long before the pandemic started, there was this push by the cast on Twitter that put out hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Um, and that kind of brought back the the fever for it online. And I think that there were dealings and and ideas that were being uh, pushed around and played with around that time. So it could have been something that's been long in the works and now they just finally have a release date for it and they know where they're going to put it. Yeah. Which is great. But you could be right. There, there, there could be a, a lack of production going on now. So they had to, you know, speed up what was already almost done or in the can, if you will. So we'll see how that all comes out. I'm worried a little bit that, the vocal minority that started this whole push, uh, they might not get what what they're expecting, if if you will, out of it, just because they have built up this idea of what it possibly could be, and whatever comes out, it may may not match that. Well, I, yeah. At least he's finishing his vision. Yeah, I think the expectation should be in that like you'll get the you'll get the full finished cut of this movie. I, it seems like that. It seems like, you know, when directors make a movie, they put together their own assembly cut. And he had that initially, I, I would think. And then, you know, the, it seemed, we, we know what happened. The studio came in and then it completely became a different film. But then, so like, I feel like he's always had this assembly cut, like at his house, like ready to go. That's why we saw it one day. He took the picture of like the, uh, you know, the, the film. Um, right. And so... Uh, yeah uh so then i think he just needs like 20 million to finish it now but i think like our expectation should be in like we're gonna get that i don't i don't expect like a justice league 2 or a justice league 3 or like you know the cyborg movie or anything like that i, I like i think our expectations shouldn't go past the snyder cut sure yeah i i would agree with that yeah i'm interested to see it i'm interested to, to see how it turns out and and hopefully this uh, satisfies people that are wanting more out of this team and we get some really fun, creative choices out of it. Yeah. And generationally, it's really interesting to look at because the original was it Superman or Superman 2. There was a like the Richard Donner cut finally, like 30 years later. Superman 2. Yeah. Yeah. Superman 2. So it's, it's interesting how like the, in one generation they weren't getting their cut, like the director's cut of a Superman movie and that happened all over again. Yeah, that is interesting. Let's transition into some Looney Tune discussion. Yes. We had a new short drop 
called Tunnel Vision, starring Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner this week. And that was delightful. Did you catch that one? Yes, that was really, really great. Um, I think you summed it up best with what you said about it in like one sentence to me earlier. That inverted, and I've never heard anyone say this before either, which I find really interesting, but it was that inverted my expectations and I loved it. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, which is awesome because you never hear that. I mean, maybe like the sixth sense people were like, wow, that inverted (laughs) my expectations and I loved it. But like since then, never, like anytime a movie inverted expectations, normally people, some people are just like, what? No way. I don't like my expectations inverted, but this was really cool how they <laughs> how they did this. I thought it was really awesome. Right. That was the biggest complaint coming out of Last Jedi. People that didn't like that movie had was it subverted all the expectations too much or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But and, this I mean, took yeah. a concept with Wiley drawing the road continuing on a rock or on a boulder and his plan is for the Roadrunner to run into that rock and then he can, you know, have his lunch. And when the Roadrunner goes through it, and so does he, it's turning that concept of, oh, he's going to run into the boulder himself Obviously. on its head or on its ear, rather. And you, you actually get to see those cartoon dynamics changed up a bit. And it felt in-universe. It didn't feel out of left field. And then you have another subversion where he's stuck in it. He can't get out. And uh, I think that was really fun, too. And then you have the Roadrunner come up with a hose full of water, and he just washes the painting away and the coyote with it. It was hilarious. It was really great. And I think the animation style, too. Like, or it's, I mean, specifically how the how Wiley Coyote is drawn and how the Roadrunner is yes. drawn. I mean, two completely different things. Uh, the Roadrunner kind of has his eyeballs, like one, one is going one way, one's going the other. Very silly kind of look. While Wiley Coyote looks like... Uh, there's those three Nicktoon shows. I get getting away from Warner Brothers for a second, but like it was Ren and Stimpy, then Rocco, then SpongeBob, and they all did this where they do this super close-up of a character every once in a while. And then you see like the super detailed animation or drawing of this character. They don't actually remove that much in it. It's just kind of the super detailed drawing. Right. Yeah. And and I feel like that's what Wiley Coyote looked like to me. He just looks super detailed and a little like a little grotesque. And I loved it. Yeah, I love the little fangs that are coming out the, the sides of his mouth. Yeah. And it, he just looks vicious. Yeah. And that's perfect for that character i really love the new design on him and uh, the roadrunner's color is so vibrant and he's so unique to the roadrunner you like you recognize it as the roadrunner but but it's new it's a new rendition of that and i i just i think they they knocked this one out of the park for sure yeah it felt so fresh and it's really great it's really wonderful another one that they knocked out of the park that we haven't covered yet is wet cement This is with Daffy and Porky, and it's basically Porky is trying to construct a slab of concrete, and Daffy wants to make an imprint of his foot. Uh, What did you think about this one? I thought this one was amazing. I remember now they revealed 
the Dynamite Dance originally at the Annecy Film Festival, and I believe this one was screened there as well. So that's correct. Yeah, we they saw we saw like little screenshots, um, like that people just took with their cell phones. I think like back in 2019, and it was it, it was amazing <laughs> to finally actually see the short. So it was a little spoiled for me. Like I knew the Tex Avery thing uh, already, yeah. uh, but it, it was it, it was great to see. It was just so silly, a very minimalist in its talking, uh, and just very silly and fun, and just again very well drawn and animated. I thought. I think that Tex Avery homage is one of my favorite that we've gotten out of these cartoons so far. And I hope for more of those yeah. just because that was such a shock to see that type of reverence put into these. I was not expecting it. It's like it's reverence, but then it's also respect. Like, I think it's like yes. a really great um, mm-hmm. balance of the two. As, as you know, it's, it's like he, he comes up out of the cement and he's holding Tex Avery's hand it's an homage to like the Disneyland statue of Mickey holding Walt's hand. Yes. That iconic partner statue in, yeah. uh, at the end of main street. Yeah, for sure. Which reminds me of my favorite, and... Dis- which reminds me of my favorite Disneyland joke, which is when you walk uh, behind him and then you, someone goes, look, it's the back of Walter. Like <laughs> water joke from the jungle <laughs> <Yes>. cruise. <laughs> I have never heard of that. Really? That's yeah. It's really, really funny. It's really great. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I, I also want to point out Eric Bowser doing Daffy here. It's wacky Daffy, which we're going to get a lot of with this series. And Bob Bergen doing Porky. Both of them are just firing on all cylinders. And you actually get to hear Eric's Daffy for the first time in the public. Because I've seen Curse of the Monkey Bird, but no one else has. And it's, you know, it's really hard to sell people on something you haven't heard yet. But this is everyone's first, I guess, earful of of Daffy. And uh, he says, you know, I'm one stuck duck, but... It's it's the way he says it and like the inflection and he, he just he nailed it. Uh, what what did you think of the voices? I thought they were great. I think they're doing uh, an excellent job. Um, yeah, I I have zero complaints. I feel like they sound exactly how I would want them to. Um, honestly, like if if I can go back and look at all of the like the voices that have ever voiced these characters. The only one I've ever had a real complaint with is like Pepe Le Pew in, in Space Jam, you know, like he doesn't sound anything <laughs> like himself there. Uh, I, yeah, I think Eric Bowser, because he's playing a ton of these characters too, right? Like he's Bugs, That's he's correct. Daffy. He's Bugs, he's Daffy, yeah. he's Tweety. That's yeah. incredible. Like what an incredible voice actor. It's just insane. Yeah, I can't wait to hear his Tweety. Um, so yeah, that's available on YouTube now. You can search... Uh, Looney Tunes and find them on the WB Kids channel. You could find them on HBO Max's news channel. They are kind of just shotgunned everywhere uh, that Warner Brother content currently lives on YouTube. And soon they'll all be in one place, which is HBO Max coming out uh, May 27th. So moving on to something else that was released recently and our main review of the show. Oh, oh, it's about to start. You ready? Ready. Popcorn? Butter. Nachos? Cheese. Root beer with red licorice straw? Right here. (laughs) Maybe it's time we made our new movie. The 2020 rendition of what it's like to make a Scooby-Doo movie in the modern era with modern jokes and trying to build something more. Scoob. 
starring Zac Efron as Fred Jones, Will Forte as Shaggy, Gina Rodriguez as Velma, Mark Wahlberg as the Blue Falcon, and Amanda Seyfried as Daphne and Frank Welker as Scooby-Doo himself. <laughs> now available on VOD, and I'm not sure if it's going to get a theatrical release later on. I don't think it is. Yeah, and but I think there's like there's the drive-in theaters. I don't think any of them are playing this movie either, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I didn't see that listed either. So, yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But I don't think it's going to be in theaters. I think it's just going to be released uh, through the Voodoo at Home or, you know, the home experience. And then maybe on HBO Max later on. But it's definitely not with the launch. And it's, it's very disappointing because you know, this movie obviously um, is, is supposed to be like the part of a cinematic the start of a cinematic universe and we're not starting it in the cinemas. It's just disappointing. You know, exactly. Um, I went in with an open mind. Um, I, I guess I want to start. What did you know about this movie before you watched it? I, I, I knew that. I, I mean, the first thing was that they basically got a whole new voice cast to play these characters. They just wanted to start fresh, except for Scooby-Doo, and they got back Frank Welker. Mm-hmm. Who's the ori- Who does an amazing job at Scoob. Yeah, and he, he's the original Fred. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, in the in like in the original 1969 series. So it's great that like they have that um to like they have that to pull from all the way back there. It kind of like grounds this into the new, like grounds this new thing into everything else. Um, and then obviously, I mean, they, they, so they didn't cast Matthew Lillard as well. And he's been playing Shaggy since 2000, was it 2002? Is that when that movie came out? The, the, um, the, the live action, live action. Scooby-Doo movie? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so since then he's been playing the voice. So it's kind of disappointing that they didn't use him. I can only hope that, um, they bring him back one day to play shaggy again in something in like another cartoon series or something like that uh one can only hope i really hope that like it's just will forte for this like cinematic universe they're building and maybe they'll bring lillard back into the fold some other way but maybe that's wishful thinking as well uh and then i knew that they were wanting to build a a hannah barbera cinematic universe out of this movie that's like the two things that i knew Interesting. So I also knew that latter part, the the Hanna-Barbera Cinematic Universe, because they had all of these properties that they didn't know what to do with. There was a failed Hong Kong Fui movie that didn't get off the ground, and they were just kind of stumbling along. And I think at some point they had an idea to write in an Iron Man-esque start of a universe, but I feel like it came out more like The Mummy. The uh, 20, 2018 <laughs> Mummy or 2017 Mummy. The one with Tom Cruise that did not do well, but they put the cart in front of the horse and they yes, tried the to... Alex Kurtzman directed The Mummy. <laughs> yes, they tried to do too much with it. Um, however, uh, I went in with an open mind only knowing that in 2015, when the initial movie was announced, it was announced as an analog of s.c.o.o.b and it was supposed to be a robot scooby and i think yeah i think that they took the the remains of that idea and they melded it into 
this movie because we have a robot dog in it, but it's not Scoob. Scoob is actually a, you know, Great Dane and he's uh, a, you know, living dog. And um, yeah, so the the whole element of having Scoob meet other Hanna-Barbera characters, I think, started from that. And that would have been an interesting idea. I feel like the movie we got is a mess, but there are little elements of it that I actually like, and I want to start with those. So um, I'll I'll just start first. The, The montage that we get from them being young and going to adulthood, I yeah. feel like is a, incredible. And they pay such respect to the, the original series. And I really, really enjoyed watching that. Yeah, that was really great. I mean, they, those, so the homage, they're, they're young and then there's the homage and they get older through the, um, or sorry, they get older through the montage and it's an homage. That's very hard. Those birds are very much more similar <laughs> than I thought. Uh, and it's an homage to the opening credits of Scooby-Doo. So they're running back and forth through different doors and like, it's, yeah, it's very And the monster designs are even taken from that intro from the sixties, the classic sixties. Oh, that's uh, really cool. Yeah. I really like that. Um, but you had a, you had a mention of when they first meet, which I also really like, which is during Halloween, which is very appropriate. And their kids and they're dressed in costumes. Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, Daphne is dressed as Wonder Woman, uh, which is great, you know. Uh, and the, an interesting thing is, too, like, they're kids, I feel like, in 2020. So when they're adults, yes. I feel like it's, like, 2035, right? Or 2040? It's interesting. Or it's still 2020. I'm not sure. But... Um, they're uh, Daphne's dressed as Wonder Woman. Great uh, Warner synergy there. And then Shaggy thinks Velma is dressed as Harry Potter. Again, the Harry Potter movie universe is all Warner Brothers. Uh, but she's actually Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And he asks uh, what house she's in and says is a Hufflepuff. And then um, then Velma mentions that she's on Ruth Bader Ginsburg's actually on the Supreme Court. And then he's grossed out and says, ew, she's definitely a Slytherin then. Which is pretty silly. Yes. <laughs> it's very silly. And of course, Shaggy would be the one that would be into those specific franchises and everything within the Warner Library. Yeah. But I do love that synergy. And it's funny that you bring up the time period because when we first meet Shaggy, he's standing in front of a really another, another really great reference in uh, Casey's Creations, which is giving a shout out to Casey Kasem, the original voice of Shaggy. That's right. And it's a psychedelic... Um, tie-dye look behind him on the billboard but he hits his ipod or some kind of audio player and it just says uh 60s or it says 90s and uh he's listening to these different eras of lonely songs but it was funny because at that point i was like what era are we in what like when are when in the timeline are we yeah it was show, it was uh show me the meaning of being lonely yeah it was, i was really confused at first yeah so when uh that song plays by the Backstreet Boys. I thought we were going to be in the 90s as kids and then grow up and be in the correct timeline for adulthood. 
but then they kind of flip that and they just go through all the eras. Also, the fact that like it's it's Venice, California, which is like if, when I think of Venice, California, I think of the 1990s. I feel like that's like the heyday of Venice, California, and that's where this opening is. So I really thought it was the 90s when Show Me the Meaning of Being Lonely was being played. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, I was really surprised that it was modern day, but it, it, it was, uh, it was a really fun intro. I really, I really liked how they got introduced together. And then they go on that first initial mystery as kids of that haunted house. Um, that entire sequence is really well done. Yeah. And I think within that first 15 minutes of the movie, that's the quintessential like Scooby-Doo movie. And then it transitions into something else entirely. <laughs> yeah, i i would have I would have enjoyed this movie more if they stayed kids throughout the entire movie, and it was really like their first adventures together. Like, oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah. it seems like it seems like the first act. It seems like it is when they're kids, and then we get the montage, the homage montage, and hashtag homage montage, and then. Uh, Oh, much more. Yeah. Imagine if, yeah. Anyway. And then um, we get like this, we, we get this new movie. You're right. Like after that, it's just, it, it's like, a, it's not jarring. It's just like, I, I kind of like them as kids and I would have liked to explore that a little further, maybe. Yeah. I think there's, there was a lot you could do with that, but again, they wanted to speed things up and throw in a bunch of references that little kids don't know and adults barely know to forward propel this cinematic universe. Yeah, like and... how, 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 how <laughs> relevant is Simon Cowell now? That's what I don't understand. I don't, as soon as that happened, I was like, Oh no, <laughs> that is not, that is not a direction I wanted to go down. <laughs> also because I'm pretty sure he's in, um, like Shrek three or Shrek four or Shrek seven or, or I don't know, a Christmas Shrek. Shrek 15, yeah. the Shrekening. Yeah, he's in, yeah. he's in a Shrek movie. <laughs> and then he's also, how many like cinematic universes does Simon Cowell going to appear in like animated universes? Not only that, but we get a shallow reference. Like they, they start singing the shallow song from Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. And I'm just like, what am I watching? Yeah, now, now that was very intentional <laughs> on Warner Brothers' part. Again, this is Warner Synergy, um, maybe not at its best. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Star is Born, one of, a huge, important movie for Warner Brothers. It may have even been their biggest film of 2018. Is that when it was? Um, it was. Yeah. I, th- I think it was their biggest film of 2018. Yeah. And they have um, uh, HBO Max billboards right now where they say, we're making it. And then it shows like a star is born meets faking it. And then it's the HBO show Barry. And those, those crack me up. They're just like so random. The <laughs> ones they pick, I think it's so funny. Yeah. Right. I, I keep waiting to see the, uh, the Looney Tunes one of that, Yeah. but I haven't come across yeah, it. Yeah, we're. I have seen the Rick, the three Ricks or it's uh, Rick from Casablanca, Rick from Rick and Morty. And then Reek, I guess from walking dead wow that's really clever that's like crazy that's <laughs> i the, i like the the classic one i feel like is where bada meets bing meets bang and it's bada is sopranos uh bing is chandler bing from friends and bang is big bang theory so it's, wow it's like the this is the three most random things you can possibly put together 
So just to correct myself, I guess that third one is Reek from Game of Thrones. Oh, right. I didn't yes. watch Game of yeah. Thrones, so I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um it's a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> um it's it yeah. So uh when you're when you when you were watching Scoob, did you hear certain music or sound cues that gave you a hint that we were in a Hanna-Barbera movie. Um, (laughs) This happened to me a lot. So I was listening for certain things that reminded me of like the Flintstones and Jetsons and, and then they occurred and some of them are very blatant. Like there's at the, the caveman Thor Ragnarok scene. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Basically, basically there's a guy who blows on a bird to make sound or something like that. And it was the exact same squawk as whenever Fred Flintstone gets off of work. And I was just like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Th- that's really cool. I know when Scoob and Shaggy moved around and like, will go to hide behind things. It was like that, like sound effect, which right. is perfect. Yeah. Lots of those. And I also feel like Shaggy and Scooby going bowling is a Flintstones reference. Because they, I mean, they tie it in very well with the, you know, the callback to it um, at the end. But I feel like we've never seen those characters bowl before, but there's another Hanna-Barbera collection of cartoons that is all about bowling. So I feel like that's kind of tying those two together in a way. Okay. You're probably right. I wasn't sure if it was like a, uh, like relating Shaggy to the big Lebowski or something. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I, I don't. I don't necessarily think you're wrong there. I just, I just can't see uh, them putting that in a kid's movie just for the kids, you know? (laughs) That's true. Although I will double down on it. They both live in Venice, California, right? Hmm. They're both in California. I don't think he lives in Venice. Oh, the dude. uh, Yeah. I think, I think the apartment is in Venice. It was up for sale a couple of years ago and um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's in Venice somewhere. Interesting. Who owns who owns uh, the Big Lebowski? <laughs> Is that one of us too? No, oh, it's uh, Universal, so we shouldn't be talking about that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's a Focus Features film, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I used um, to go to Lebowski fests a lot uh, when I was um, like a long time, like when they when they had them, they were like super prevalent. Yeah, like I remember they were really popular. Five, two thousand six, like they were really big. Yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. Um, so we had some some really cool robot designs with these alien creatures that are owned by Dick Dastardly, um, who I really like uh, from Wacky Races. And whenever he was talking about Mutley dying or having died, I was just. I was really confused. I was like, they killed off one of the most prominent characters of Wacky Races before this movie even began. And then over the course of the movie, you get that backstory and you realize he's not dead. But I was really, I was really shocked by, uh, by everything that they did here. And uh, it was interesting. Yeah. I think that Dick Dastardly and Muttley, um, paralleling with like shaggy and scooby paralleling with alexander the great and paritas actually honestly like i really liked all that stuff i thought that was really interesting in a way 
Like I also found it compelling. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I like for like, like they they could do anything in the story, right? And they could have stuck with a very simple um, Scooby Doo story, but instead they were like, no, we're we're gonna try to like give Scooby some backstory in his past a little bit, and um, it makes me wonder if like uh, Alexander the Great's dog talked. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe so. Who knew we were going to learn about Greek mythology in this? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Um, uh, I know my, my nephew watched this movie, and he really liked the the monster at the end, the three-headed dog at the end, and uh, and how they defeated him. So, um, oh, nice. Yeah, Cer- Cerebus, right? Cerebus. And, and, uh, and his favorite character was Scooby. So that's working on uh, some level for Warner for. Uh, this shared universe and uh, going forward, we can obviously see more Scooby interacting with other franchises. That's we'll true. See. That's very we'll true. See what happens. Yeah. What were your favorite parts? I wanted to highlight some of the, the better parts of the, the film. Yeah. Well, as you're saying, so like Dick Dastardly, like his, his big plan is he wants to get Alexander the Great's gold, which is hidden. Uh, it's hidden in behind the gates of hell. And he has to find the three heads of the the dog that like guards hell, which is Cerebus. He has to find like the three skulls, and mm-hmm. like I like I just like that idea. And then um, so he finally does. And uh, just to expand on what we were saying before with Alexander the Great, it's like Alexander the Great and Scooby is actually the last descendant of Peritus, Alexander's dog, and so like he's with the three skulls and with Scoob, he's able to like open the portal to get all the, the gold. So I just thought that was like a neat storyline overall. I like that Dick Dastardly also, uh, he uh, like replaces one of the robots heads with a dust buster. <laughs> and yeah. That, like that becomes like a main, like one of like, they, he like yeah. d- the dust buster robot, like helps them at one point, like escape. From, from Dick Dastardly prison. I, I really liked that a, a lot. That was cute. Me too. When the when the Dustbuster went on, I thought that the robot had a very unique design to him and he stood out more. Um, I, and that's obviously intentional, but he became something more than just uh, a robot figure. Like he actually had a personality when that came out, yeah. you know, when that, when that went on. Yeah. And um, I, I really like what they did with that character. Yeah. Yeah, and then I wish he had a name. They should have gave him a name. I think they did actually. At the very end, I think they call him like it's like something like Dusty or or I think it's like Dustbuster. There's something that they call him at the very end. I forget though, because he becomes like a good guy by the end. That that one robot. Yeah. Oh, now that I think about it, he kind of looks like a Jetsons character, a little bit like Rosie. Oh, okay. A little bit? Yeah. In the face? Minus the dustbuster part? <laughs> yeah. Because of the big eyes? I don't know. Maybe I'm pull- maybe I'm stretching that a bit. Um, I-, I just really want a Jetsons movie now. <laughs> yeah. I- I- and-, and I think we'll get one sooner rather than later. I mean, the Jetsons... I know the Jetsons meet the Flintstones came out when I was a kid, and I thought that... Again, a crossover movie. I thought that was, like, the coolest thing ever. Like these characters, know we've each had other. crossover movies. We've had crossover movies our entire lives. Yeah, we've <laughs> like been, we're spoiled when it comes to crossovers. We've been very lucky, that's for sure. Yeah, start starting my life off with 
uh, who framed Roger Rabbit was a bad idea. <laughs> I expect everything <laughs> on that level. <laughs> exactly. But uh, every everything oh, done with love and care and and I think uh, I think there was a lot of uh, I think there was a lot of prospect and and of opportunity with this project. I just don't know if the execution um, came out the way that they wanted it to. Um, just because yeah. they're juggling a whole lot of stuff, and we, we haven't even gotten to the superhero aspect of it with uh, Blue Falcon, the Blue yeah. Falcon. Um, which yeah. I don't well, even that's, that's know that other... as a character. I don't even know who that is. Yeah, well, that's the other uh, dog and like human, um, like like like. There's there's like a bunch of them. So there's the blue falcon and then Dynamut, which I, which I found out uh, that Dynamut, uh, like the show was Dynamut, the dog wonder or something like. Yeah, and and that was a show I believe before uh, Scooby Doo, and then. In the third iteration of Scooby Doo, called the like the Scooby Doo Show, it was also the Scooby Doo Dynamut Hour, and oh wow, yeah, and so in that time, from what I from what I understand is that Blue Falcon and Scooby did cross over back then, and it makes sense if you think like generationally, where the people writing like Scoob nowadays would have grown up with like Scooby probably in the seventies as as their like you know, their childhood cartoon would have been like Scooby probably hanging out with the Blue Falcon and Dynamut, which I guess they like, they, they, they make like the Blue Falcon and he's like, not the big deal. It's actually Dynamut, which I, which I kind of find really funny. Like, it's like, like he's, he's boring. He's like the son of a, of a superhero. Like he's whatever, like Dynamut is the actual superhero here. He's the dog wonder. I think that's what they were going for there. I think they nailed that. Um, because I related to Dino Mutt more than Blue Falcon here. Yeah, and Ken Jeong did a really good job playing Dino Mutt. Yes, he did. Um, so and good. I had n- no idea that was Mark Wahlberg. I don't know why you would get Mark Wahlberg if he's not doing his Mark Wahlberg impression. But it's like it's fine. He 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 was he was fine. I just it was a very default voice. I didn't I didn't know it was him. I had to look it up. Same. This entire cast I had to look up. I was just confused <laughs> the entire time. I was like, <laughs> who's voicing fair. these characters? And why do they sound oddly off? But yeah. Mark Wahlberg, for sure, I feel like he did this for his kids. I feel like he wanted oh, that, to be a part of something greater, like Iron Man or a la the MCU. And he wanted to do something that appealed to his kids. You're probably right. So and, uh, it wasn't a distracting accent. It was just a, a default accent, like you said. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he got rid of his Boston accent, and it was just very, like, um, what do they call it? It's like man, Manhattan, like, newscaster. It was very, like, as, as simple as possible. <laughs> agreed. And I wish that, I, I guess I wish I got more out of that character than I did. I just felt like he was pretty generic as a character yeah i thought they were going to develop something more with him i mean the the most interesting thing about him i guess is that like this is and i'm just pulling up this like he's a descendant of a superhero and he fights captain caveman who's the first superhero so it's almost mm-hmm. like the very first superhero is fighting like 
what could possibly be like the newest possible superhero because like he, you know, he's the son of one he's like as new as possible i don't know maybe like i'm i'm really pulling there though trying to find these like interesting like things right no that that is uh it was an interesting scene but he was not i don't know he he didn't have a big part in it if yes. you will because yeah. he was overshadowed by what's going on with Shaggy and Scooby and the gang. And yeah. I was more invested in that plot line. But now that you're saying it, that whole aspect of legacy and um, lineage is very interesting. And I wonder how that's going to play if they go back in time and delve into the Flintstones. And they have his father in that or they have a relative in that. And maybe that's somehow related to the great gazoo who's my favorite oh, wow. character yeah maybe yeah yeah so i'm that would be cool yeah <laughs> but i i could see how that would uh that would work and they you know they played the great gazoo in the show as this imaginary creature but they could actually play it as an alien and related to something from the future sent back in time yeah. or something like yeah that. i love that I mean, I, I really like in this movie, I mean, they they could simply say, like, the Flintstones are in that, like, because they go to a place that is, like, prehistoric in this movie. Um, right. Yeah, and that's where they find... With Captain Caveman. Yeah, that's where they find the final skull. And it's also on, it's Messick Mountain. That's where they find it. And that's named after Don Messick, who was the original voice of Scooby until his death when, in 97. When I found that out, I... I had to tip my hat to Warner Brothers on that one or the Warner Brother animation group. Yeah. Cause that was just a really nice touch. Yeah. It's, I love when they do stuff like that and, and yeah, very classy on, on their end for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I also, so well, yeah, when they go into that prehistoric area, like they, they fly in and as they fly in, they crash into like five pterodactyls. I thought that was really funny. Actually. It's just like <laughs> so silly to me, but just like, pff, pff, yeah, there were some sound effects and some actions in here that were very satisfying. I also thought back to when the whole carnival scene is happening, which, yeah. by the way, is one of my favorite set pieces when Scoob goes into that haunted, uh, I guess it's haunted, but the, the carnival of in the House of Mirrors and everything, and he's being chased by Dick Dastardly, and um, we get that crazy Dick scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really liked when... Uh, Dick Dastardly falls from that height of um, the Ferris wheel that's been taken off the tracks and uh, that plummet into the ground and that just like at the end. Mm. It was so satisfying. I don't know. Did you you feel that too? I do definitely. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, uh, yeah. And like, cause that they then go into that uh, arcade, like right, right. And that moment. And that has so many references. Like, I think they had... Hong Kong Fooey, yeah. as we mentioned before. Yeah, Space Stars. Uh, they have yeah. the Laugh Olympians instead of the Laugh Olympics, uh, which was with oh. their, like, multiverse colliding thing, like, thing, obviously. It was the Laugh Olympics back in the day. Um, and, that, and they produced that in, like, 77, 78. And so that was when, like, that third generation of Scooby-Doo with the Blue Falcon uh, was happening. So 
um i, I guess that like that's why they're, they're really pulling from this like very specific era i feel like um of scooby-doo's history which i just think is really cool yeah uh, yeah and right before that uh i think it was dick he says stop right there you filthy animal and your dog too and I was thinking that was a possible reference to the Wizard of Oz, obviously something Warner Brothers owns now after like MGM had to file for bankruptcy. And but then more it, that synergy. Yeah, and I think that filthy animal part of that is from um, the movie they're watching in Home Alone, Angels with Filthy Souls. But that's a Fox movie. But recently, that same exact clip is in Detective Pikachu for some reason. I I don't know why, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It is. It's a really weird reference for them to uh, to pull. But I love Home Alone. So anytime they reference Home Alone, I love it. Oh, uh, yeah. Both Home Including Alone's Detective Pikachu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Home Alone and Detective Pikachu, both great movies. I also wanted to mention Kersey Clemens does the voice of Dee Dee Skies, who is the pilot of the Blue Falcon. And she is just amazing. And I hope we get more of her in this series. Yeah. Um, she definitely has an interesting character look and design as well as uh, some really fun character motivations that, uh, that can really be exploited for future stories. Yeah. And she's, she's from uh, the teen angels, like captain caveman and the teen angels, which I think was later seventies, Hanna-Barbera. And so they utilized her, the, the two other teen angels were Taffy and Brenda. Obviously they were a take on Charlie's angels, but it, you know, it was captain caveman, the first superhero and, and these three angels. So it's cool that they pull Dee Dee out of that and like let her be her own character. I think that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, uh, Kirsty Clemens is uh, supposed to be in the Flash movie. And I believe she was in the Justice League movie. Oh, is she going to uh, play 2017, so. Iris West? Yes, Iris West. That, that, that would be perfect. I love that. Yeah. So that's all amazing. Um, oh, more that synergy, as we were talking about. That's it. That's <laughs> I, I hope they get Timothy Chalamet because he's going to be in their Dune movie. I hope they get him. I would like him to be Batman Beyond personally, but I mean, we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, he'd make a good Terry. Yeah, Terry McGinnis, and then and then obviously yeah. get back like Michael Keaton or even Keaton. like I I want like I'd be fine with George Clooney even coming back because I think he could play a really cool older Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I, I agree. Either of them. Or Kevin Conroy. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. Whichever would, one you want to do. Would be great. <laughs> Val Kilmer. You, you get any of these guys. Also, the character design of the Blue uh, Blue Falcon. Did you think that was like a Batman push? Like to have someone who looks like Batman alongside Scooby-Doo? Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Blue Falcon isn't introduced into like the DC universe in like the next five to <laughs> ten years. <laughs> Via comics, TV, or movies? Which one do you think? Uh, comics. Yeah. Or okay. um, yeah, and I well, I also want Freakazoid to be introduced in the DC universe. Like, why not? Oh, interesting. Yeah, you own it. Yeah. Just Just throw him in there one day. Like. Pfft. <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't already been thrown in there. Yeah, I think someone made someone made their own Freakazoid in like a fighting game. I remember once that looked like it could be, like I don't know if there's a in Injustice or in DC versus uh, Mortal Kombat. If you can create your own character, I think it would have. I think it's in one of those, but I could be mistaken. Okay, 
I think I remember what you're talking about, but it's been way too long. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Also, in this cool. movie, Scoop says he never saw Paris before getting abducted. And, like, I like out of all, like, I, I would think all of the episodes of their TV shows and their movies, like, like he's never been to Paris. It just is really surprising to me. Like, he's been to the WWE city twice. There's two WWE <laughs> movies, and it's like it's like it's like all of Rhode Island is just WWE City for some reason, or no, not Rhode Island. Sorry, Connecticut. I think I think that's where they actually are. But like the enti- it's like an entire city of WWE. He's been there, but not Paris. Not Paris. I wonder if that's another reference that if we dive deep, we'll find that he ran into a specific creature in Paris that's related to the plot of this movie somehow. Yeah, maybe. i would not put it past them they pulled from so many obscure things i had no idea who captain caveman was until this movie and i i remember the character design but i don't remember anything about him and And the fact that tracy Tracy morgan Morgan. voicing him is great yeah so good we both said tracy morgan at the same time hopefully it picked up properly Yeah, he was. That was so great. I wanted more uh, Captain Caveman. I really thought because when they—that's true. When they announced this movie, and when they announced the voice cast and Tracy Morgan, I think was one of the part of the first round that they announced. Like they announced the four main Mm. people and then Tracy Morgan. So I thought he was going to have a bigger role in this movie. But I'm got like we got what we got. I'm I'm not complaining. I like what we got. So yeah, more. Yeah, he'll have a bigger role in the in the Captain Caveman movie, which is going to be. Coming out in 2024, I'm sure. Yeah, with with <laughs> all of the characters they reveal at the very end of the movie, which is crazy. Right. Oh, my gosh. There's just so much. You had the Quest family. You had uh, – who else did you have? I, I, I'm blinking. At the very end, um, yeah, there's uh, McGilla Gorilla, uh, Jabberjaw, and Adam Ant, you see. Like, and it wow. says Falcon forces new recruits, something like that. Yeah. Again, I, I feel like they're putting the cart ahead of the horse with this a little bit. Yeah. A little dark a universe. Those usually do really well. So maybe this is the type of area to do that with. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I'm just really surprised that we haven't heard about future production of more uh, animated films within this series at this point. Yeah. Because if they wanted to do something along the lines of Iron Man, what a lot of people forget is that The Incredible Hulk came out the same year as Iron Man. And while those two don't have events that connect them directly, there is connection there mm-hmm. that people could find. And, you know, um, Tony Stark obviously shows up at the end of that movie. But it would be interesting to have another one of these WAG films that is in the same universe that people can dive deep into and pull out those references and make a bigger deal out of it. It's um, it's curious too how we do have Tom and Jerry coming up, which is a slightly different uh, take. It's a Hanna-Barbera movie, but it's like half live action, half... I think, is it hand-drawn or is it CG? I forget. Um, it's but, a little bit of both, and that's com- that comes out in December. Okay. And you're correct. So you, I, like, it's live action animation. I would have hoped that if this movie Scoob was released in theaters, we would have gotten uh, like a proper trailer of Tom and Jerry before it. But because, you know, we all had to buy it for twenty five dollars. Uh, we didn't get a trailer <laughs> beforehand. Um, but like like it would have been neat if they still had that trailer before it or something like just to attach. I agree. 
And it's really ironic that you brought that up because I remember I, I remember anticipating the release of Scoob for that trailer specifically. We were supposed to get an in-theaters trailer for Tom and Jerry with uh, the release of Scoob. So disappointing. It is. And I wonder why they didn't release that online yet. Yeah. And also, is that going to be related to this universe? Yeah, I pro- probably not. I could see, honestly, I think it takes place in New York that movie and they're making like that Sesame street movie where a uh, big bird gets lost in New York and he has to like find his mm-hmm. way back to the, the secret like entrance to Sesame street. Uh, I was, right. like, I could see those two crossing over, but just cause they're the same city. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> <laughs> and the same company. Maybe honestly. they'll all cross over. Who knows yeah. at this point? Honestly, I feel like space jam, the new legacy, um, like everything's going to cross over. That's my guess, but I have no idea. So I had two thoughts with the voice cast in here. One is that it could be a sign of Warner Brothers not having a lot of faith in the property to sell itself Mm -hmm. and they need talent. And that makes me worried for the voice cast of Space Jam 2. But also it makes me wonder if we're going to see the live action versions of these Scooby-Doo characters in a future movie. Yeah, I don't know. That would be interesting. Um, I think because Will, I mean, Will Forte has done voice work before. He plays Abraham Lincoln or Abe in uh, Clone High for the, oh, okay. the show for MTV. So he was, he was the lead in that. Um, great show. Yeah. They, they By get, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yeah. They all get frozen at the end and the show doesn't get picked up, which I think is kind of funny. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, he he does have uh, like history of doing voiceover work. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know I really don't know what they're gonna do with that. Um, it was a very weird decision uh, to change him over. I I do I think I mean obviously I think it was to try to make more money at the box office, um, but also I think it was just to give it something fresh. Like oh look we're re we're rebooting so we like we're just recasting as well. And then we'll right. have one person that is the legacy uh, voice. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, I think for this, it worked. It worked good enough. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see how they play it going forward. But if Trolls Two is any indication, then this is going to do really well at on VOD and with kids and families. And then we'll see a big success with animated films like this going to VOD and also building a franchise out of it. Yeah, I'm excited to so. see if this made more or less than Trolls Two did because I think that made a hundred million, um, and this was that was only twenty dollars to rent. This was twenty five to own or twenty to rent. So it'd be interesting to see if that like extra five dollars uh, gives them a little more uh, cash. We'll see. Yeah, I'll have to look into that and see. Yeah. But overall, I think this is a a decent effort. It's messy but it's fun and at times and the characters are colorful enough and you get enough of the scooby-doo element for it to earn its name and i'm interested to see where they go from here yeah uh i had one more um warner synergistic entity in the film and that's when uh, shaggy mentions shaggy actually mentions middle earth and then blue falcon says copyright infringement which is funny because like it's not copyright infringement that they can mention all like the Lord of the Rings stuff they want since obviously Lord of the Rings is a new line Warner Brothers property. I thought the, the, the same m- thing. 
Yeah, it's like I was really like, why fun, is like, he saying that? Yeah, he <laughs> he should have just said like synergy or something like that instead. But maybe less people would have gotten that joke. I don't know. But yeah, overall, I think that um, I think kids will really in- enjoy this movie. I think there's some. I think there's. I do think there's some good jokes in it. There's some really bad jokes. It starts off with like a Grand Theft Gyro or Grand yeah. Theft Gyro joke, which I think is just okay. Like that's fine. I'm sure kids like that joke. Uh, yeah, there was there was a couple more throughout which were kind of silly, but um, overall, I, I do think kids will like this. I'm glad that they're getting exposed. Like I'm glad that a generation who grew up on like Scooby and Blue Falcon hanging out and Dynamut and Captain Caveman, I guess. And Dick Dastardly um, with like all of these characters, <laughs> like they all, yeah. And Muttley, they all hung out in the Laugh Olympics. And I even believe like, I'm pretty sure Blue Falcon and Dynamut were on Scooby-Doo's team, the um, like in the Laugh Olympics. So they were like competing with each other as well, not against each other. How so interesting. It, yeah, it's so it's cool to see like that generation all grown up now and saying this is what we love about this, so we're gonna do that and right. give that to our kids or our kids' kids. So I think that's like a really cool aspect of this film. Uh, it is messy. It uh, it is very sloppy. Uh, there's some stuff like I like I, like. Do you really need to have like Dick, Dick Dastardly yelling out his name over and over again as a joke for kids? Like yeah. Like I work with uh, kids and like there's some of them like I won't show them this movie because of that moment, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) There's also that scene where they get pulled over by the female officer and it was just really awkward. I was like, who is this moment for? Yeah, that blew up the internet too. Yes, people did. were like, "Look at this character!" Like, like everyone's gonna fall in love with this character, and then like, obviously, there's a reveal in the movie. We won't give it away, but yeah, it's like it's very silly. It's all very silly. I I think this shows promise in a potential universe. I just, again, I think they did too much. They tried to push too much into it, and uh, I I guess. I guess I want to separate this conversation from a spoiler conversation regarding the ending. And I'm going to put that divide here. So everything going forward is a super spoiler for the end of this movie. Um, I, I, I would like, I would agree. Like nothing that we had said before really spoils the movie. Um, there's a moment at the end where they are going to sacrifice Shaggy. And yeah. I thought, this is interesting. They're going to put Shaggy in the underworld and have the rest of the Scooby uh, gang and like Fred, Daphne and Velma go on, do mysteries without Shaggy. And then in another movie, pick Shaggy up and that storyline continues and you have a divergent of storylines going. That's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. I, I, I like that idea better than a statue randomly appearing out of the ground, <laughs> like of, of Alexander the Great and Peritus, the dog, and then like him coming out of that. I didn't, I didn't understand that. I don't, I still don't, but like, it's what happened. I mean, maybe I missed something. But, no, uh, I feel I, like that, that feels like studio notes to me. That, yeah. that, what I said feels like something that they might've came up with or so, something along those lines, but it was too mm-hmm. dark for kids to handle. And so they had to rewrite that ending. Yeah. Your, your ending is like the empire strikes back ending where it's like, 
Like, Luca's like, I'm gonna leave my training now, like, early, and Yoda's like, wait, don't do that yet. He's like, no, don't worry, I'm gonna go save my friends, and then his dad chops off his hand, and then he falls, <laughs> like, into a vat of nothing, and right. then, like, his best friend gets frozen in carbonite and steals his, like, girlfriend, who turns out to be a sister later, besides the point. But, like, yeah, like, that movie ends on such a dark note, and, like, you have to get a sequel, you know? And yeah. obviously, like, there's other movies that do that now. Infinity War did that, I think, pretty well. Um, although I, I think Endgame is a better film than Infinity War. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's Disney. Um, <laughs> Back to Warner Brothers. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I do think maybe they were trying to pull... Um, they're, they're trying to, like, set up a sequel and maybe have it a little darker ending, like you're saying. That does make a lot of sense. Give give the old Empire Strikes Back ending, and then they decided that's a little um, dark, a little too dark for us. Right. But the fact that a creative team came up with something like that makes me think that maybe not for the first movie, but for the second movie, they might go that dark. They might do something that is that interesting and and tasty as far as a plot goes you know like story elements that you can actually latch your teeth onto and you know um dive deep into so i really hope that there is more depth to these to these uh related films and maybe the team behind it actually has like a reverence for these characters that can translate into that that depth definitely yeah, and I guess, like, the biggest depth in this movie is, uh, like, you know, Shaggy and Scooby meet at the beginning. Shaggy names Scooby after Scooby Snacks, which I always thought that Scooby Snacks were named after Scooby, but it's fine. Same. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like the Han Solo thing, where it's, like, he doesn't, like, the only thing, the only complaint I have about the, like, Han Solo, like, his last name isn't Solo, is, like, I feel like he should have said, I'm Solo, and then the person, like, misunderstand him. Like, the other guy gave him his name. Like, he should have given himself that name. Anyway, again, I always talk about Star Wars. I can always make it about Star Wars. So, sorry. That's no, great. Like, that's, yeah, it's, it's a problem I have. Um, <laughs> Not a bad problem. Uh, yeah. So, um, oh, so, yeah. So, you know, Shaggy and Scooby, like, they don't have any friends. That's, like, the whole point of, of the beginning of the movie. And then, like, you know, because of, because of, scooby shaggy that has all of these friends and then uh, you know we we learn that shaggy is in love with blue falcon as a kid and then like when the blue falcon picks them up he give they give like scooby hit like the 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 superhero outfit and shaggy doesn't get one and then the collar is taken off that like shaggy gave scooby so that's like the emotional through line of this movie is shaggy like not having friends having friends and feeling like he's alone again because scooby's being taken taken away from him and then like they're literally being like being separated at the end with the the gate and then they then like we said they get the happy ending and they get they get bonded again yeah the heart of this movie is really strong and it follows that um thing around uh uh, i'm blanking on the name of it the collar um the heart of this movie is really with the collar around scooby's neck and i'm really glad how they pulled that off and that's that pulled us all the way through i really felt the emotion around that collar the entire time so i think they did a really good job with that yeah i agree and now a quick word from our sponsors acme acme it's where you buy your anvils
hello, hello. I'm, I'm looking for some um, uh, magical paint. Do you have any here at Acne? We have tons of magical paint, but we have two-tone paint. I think the paint is somewhat sentient, so be careful on where you paint it, because it will possibly come to life on you. Oh, come to life. Okay, I'm fine with coming to life. I'm just worried if it is... It's actually a candle uh, store that I'm painting, and I just want to make sure, is it flammable? Is it inflammable? Is it non-flammable? Um, I'm also very confused on those terms, too. I don't know what means what. Sure, well, let me help you clarify. Inflammable means it will definitely catch on fire. Flammable means it will definitely catch on fire. And non-flammable means no fire. So uh, which one are you looking for? I'm looking for either non-flammable or un unflammable in un not flammable. Well, we have unfathomably flammable. And uh, that one is is 80% sure not to catch on fire. Do you want okay, to Okay, but it one? has the... It has the un in it, so it's un, but then fathomly, but then flammable. So it is unflammable. It just has other words in it, too. I think that sounds great, actually. Um, now, you said it's sentient. Now, does that mean that I could enter it, or that mean that I can't enter it? So that means that you can enter it, but you can't come back from there. But also, it means that inanimate objects can enter it and come back from there, if they are sentient as well. But they have to be sentient. You have to make sure that they are sentient before you throw them inside. Okay, well, I hate my job, so this sounds like the perfect magical paint. Thank you. Great. Let me just ring you up for that. Unflammable, flammable, unfathomable, unfathomable. GM, what are you doing? If you can't say the name of our product, sorry, I'm going to have to let you go. Unfathomable. <laughs> Crap. In Rick and Morty this week, we had a really fun reference. The specific episode is called the Vat of Acid episode, and it points out that uh, before negging was called negging, it was simply known as reverse psychology, and it wasn't invented by incels. It was invented by Bugs Bunny, which is ah, really funny great. and a really weird random reference that I really loved, and it's also that synergy we keep talking about because Rick and Morty is Warner Brothers and Cartoon Network. And I really love how Bugs Bunny just keeps coming up around now. Uh, we're approaching his 80th birthday in July. And oh, wow. I feel like the more the more exposure he gets, the more reverence and more love he's going to get surrounding him. Uh, but as well as the rest of Looney Tunes. And uh, I just love whenever Warner Brothers decides to put him in the script. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and he he has been there to a degree. Like we had like, lunatics unleashed like back at like a couple decades ago and now and we just had like the looney tunes show and then what was the new one called it was it just called new looney tunes or something like that but, yes like, uh it was wabbit and then it transitioned into the new looney that's tunes. it but they were never like those shows for some reason weren't able to penetrate like the zeitgeist like i feel like they're like they've been having success with as of recent I feel like in this last right. year, there's really been a breakout of kids being more aware of who the Looney Tunes were for the past, like you said, 80 years. Yeah, exactly. And it's really great to see them coming full form into the vignette style, which we're getting now. Yeah. Yeah. And in World of Mayhem news, we had some official announcements drop as part of the Roadmap of Mayhem. We can now find a new way of leveling up your characters 
with the multi XP level up, adding in an option for multiple vats of lunicity to be added to your character to give them that level boost you need to get over a battle threshold. This comes in the form of a slider and instead of clicking the same button endlessly for however many times you wanna uh, update your character, you can now just do it in one fail swoop. And that makes everything easier on you as a player. And you were saying that uh, you've tried downloading the game, but you didn't have success with that. Yeah. Um, but I will say that if you are a fan of the game and you've had any headaches or anything like that, Scopely is very good about responding to criticism or uh, issues that they've had with uh, gameplay. And so if you want to reach out to them, uh, I'm sure you can find the uh, Scopely website to be very helpful and hopefully with these new updates it makes playing all the more easier for new players as well as veterans so that's something to look forward to for sure just just spam tweet them until they give you the world of mayhem cut <laughs> i'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> yes we want more superman yeah and so the less mustache put superman in my looney tunes world of mayhem game make it happen Warner Brothers and Scopely. <laughs> Put Neo from the Matrix in my World of Mayhem game, please. I'm asking very nicely. <laughs> people are so I mean that would add to the mayhem. Yeah. People are so mean on the on the internet. I'm just I'm being nice. I, I would love that. That'd be that'd be the coolest thing ever. And like I'd be in awe. <laughs> <laughs> I too would be in but. awe. Um they have a really great design team over there, so any new characters that come out, they're always really on point and detailed and I, I just I I'm baffled That's really at cool. the amount of talent that they have over there. The game is available on Google Play. You can download it on Google Play or anywhere you can download apps. Oh yeah, and you can also download Looney Tunes Paint on a Windows uh, computer or Looney Tunes Art Games. I I just type type Ooh. that in and that's what popped up. So that's pretty neat. There's like there's a couple other things. You can also download back in action. And the Looney 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 Bugs Bunny movie, which I forget if Perfect. that's the second or third or fourth or fifth of those uh, those compilation films they made back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I think that's the second one. No, I think you're right. I ate those up as a kid. Like, I, I really enjoyed all of the compilation movies. So great. Yeah. All right, uh, Chris, thank you so much for being on this show. If you have any websites or any links that you want to plug, go ahead and uh, plug away. Yeah, well, thank thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Again, you can find uh, me on my Warner Brothers uh, podcast. It's a it's about the greater Warner fandom, a term I made up, and uh, that's the AT and WB podcast. You can find that on fulldinosaur.com or fulldino.com if you're too lazy to write out uh sore i guess <laughs> and uh i was also um yeah and so we have uh, matrix episodes coming up so um i actually just watched the first matrix movie so it'll be be a commentary track and it'll also be like a deep dive into um like times where other warner brothers properties have mentioned uh, the matrix are in there uh, we kind of do like we kind of studied like the the time it came out and how important it was and 
how like you know how the references to the movie are just everywhere and also like what the movie is like you know that has a lot of uh, philosophy behind it so we kind of delve into like you know what does the nebuchadnezzar mean and you know things like that and you oh excellent and you can also find me i also guested on another podcast recently and has nothing to do with warner brothers it actually has to do with uh nintendo and donkey kong and the donkey the greater donkey kong universe um (laughs) i know it sounds ridiculous but um if you remember the game diddy kong racing um yes love that game awesome it's one of the best um but if you remember banjo um, from Banjo Kazooie, uh, Conquer, mm-hmm. Conquer's Bad Fur Day, and even Tip Top, who that was later in Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Tooie, and you and he's in Grunty's Revenge, which was for the Game Boy Advance. You actually find out um, the room that he conceived his children in in that game because it's that takes place in the past. Um, very, that's, that's wow. yeah, I'm deep diving in uh, Donkey Kong, um, deep mythology. Um, but I, I guessed it on that show when we talk about the Mario Golf for Game Boy Color, which came out in 99. So yeah, it's a, it's a completely different fandom, uh, but that was a lot of fun. Um, Pyle was nice enough to have me on. And that's, that's sorry, that's the conversation is the podcast. It's the, it's dkvine.com. That's a great name. Yeah. So yeah, K-O-N-G-versation. Uh, it's a very clever pun. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds excellent. And listeners, if you want to follow him, you can do so on Twitter as well as Instagram, right? You have an Instagram? Um, yeah. I mean, the Instagram is just my cats. It's at Zeitgeist. If you want to see uh, pictures of <laughs> Mr. Artemis BB Cat and Lana Leopard. Uh, but yeah, also at Zeitgeist on uh, Twitter, which is the uh, ATNWB podcast official uh, Twitter account at zeitkreist which is i guess z-e-i-t and then christ c-h-r-i-s-t perfect i'm looking forward to that matrix conversation just because i love that movie and anytime somebody talks about the philosophy of it i'm always there so 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 much fun it was so much fun to deep dive on it and you know we have matrix reloaded uh enter the matrix animatrix and uh matrix revolutions all coming up and I think we figured out the name of the new movie. It has to be this, which is the for the Matrix Four. I'm ready. Uh, the Matrix rebooted. It's oh yeah, it has to be an R. You heard it here first. Yeah, who yeah. knows? I, I think I think you nailed it. Yeah, I really hope I'm right in that, but we'll see. We'll see what the future entails. We shall see, indeed. And thank you again for being on. Thank you for giving us. Uh, all of this insight into uh, Warner Brothers and the fandom that now exists. And hopefully with our podcast, more people will see that and it will continue to grow. And uh, yeah, with that being said, you can find us at this means pod on Twitter and this means podcast on all social media, as well as podbean.com backslash this means podcast. And that's not all folks. Have a good day.